Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're trying to track what's happening in the market, uh, in the used equipment marketplace, no better place to do that than Iron Comps by Tractor Zoom. It's a great place to see trends develop and see what um, auction values are, are bringing to you right now. There's about 500 different auctioneers that data to them, so it's a very independent third-party tool that you can use to see what's happening in the, in the auction market. So if you're interested in doing that, and after you take a look at it and you decide you want it, use Moving Iron at checkout and you get yourself a sweet little discount. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and Chip comes on once a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. And uh, it's been a been a wild week here, Chip. Last week we lost everything. We're going to gain it all back this week, it looks like. Yeah, still, uh, still very much in a weather market. And uh, last week, you know, a lot of places got rain over the weekend, and uh, certainly the the dry areas are much smaller than they were a week or 10 days ago. Some good, uh, you know, pockets of rain in South Dakota, Minnesota, uh, Eastern Iowa uh, here midweek. So there's some areas getting well watered, but now the problem is this high pressure ridge that has been, you know, producing record highs in the Pacific Northwest is moving east. And it's going to set up over uh, the Canadian prairies, Montana, the Dakotas. It's going to raise temperatures up, uh, you know, probably talking potential record highs in parts of the Dakotas, 105 to 110 degrees. And that it doesn't just stop there, obviously. It's going to push, uh, you know, that heat into, uh, you know, portions of uh, Minnesota, Iowa, uh, out by you guys, Nebraska. Going to really uh, get hot. And so the market uh, is a little bit nervous about that. Obviously, there's some areas that have totally missed the rain, and, and this is going to, you know, kind of be the final straw. If you didn't uh, get rain, or you haven't had rain in three or four weeks, and uh, it's 105 degrees, that's usually about the last straw for for some of those crops. But even the crops that got decent rain, uh, you know, 100 plus degree temperatures, is not what uh, is ideal. And so there's you know, some risk premium being added back to, to corn and beans. And the question now is how long that's going to last. Uh, if it's three or four days and then the, the ridge moves back west, cools things down, you know, that's one thing. But some of these weather models are hinting that 
uh, it could get a little more stationary and keep the heat longer term. And that's not, you know, late July into August is not the time you need triple digit heat on crops. And so uh, putting some risk premium back in, you know, the volatility's still here. The, they puked the corn market last week. They're, you know, rallying back up into the gap that we left from last week now. Uh, that goes up to about 572-ish, two and a quarter, something like that, on December corn. Trading in the 560s right now. So we're into the gap that we left that that probably likely is going to be uh, enough for this week. And we'll see what happens today. But, um, you know, it's just going to be one of the, about the fifth or sixth in a row of uh, that Sunday night and, and early Monday morning trade, kind of checking the weather models to see if the heat's still there and and how long? And if it's still there, in the extended models Sunday night and Monday, you know, it may not have even seen the highs yet. People were writing the corn market off, you know, last weekend with all the rain, and now, um, you know, we're threatened with this weather. So it's very much a weather market, and it's been very volatile, and uh, you know, wearing people out. But uh, you know, trend line yields are are far from certain at this point on corn or beans, both. And then obviously, you know, the wheat market's been uh, standing on its own. Had a crop report out earlier this week and showed the wheat carry out, um, you know, low on the low end of expectations, surprisingly. You got spring wheat issues with Canada, you know, triple-digit heat. It's going to be the just in the last bit of life for the spring wheat up there. And um, Russia's uh, wheat crop looks to be smaller, so... You know, this, this whole thing, pe- people say here, you know, ah, well, you know, Canada doesn't grow that much corn or beans in the area. It's dry. That's true, but they grow a lot of canola, a lot of spring wheat, a lot of barley. Uh, so this oats. So the whole feed grain situation in the world is is getting tightened up, and that directly affects corn as well. And, of course, the canola issues, that affects uh, soybean oil. And so uh, there's a lot of things going on right now. With these markets uh, from a supply standpoint, and then we know that the world demands very strong uh, as well. So uh, it could be an explosive summer yet. And a lot of people wrote this thing off a week ago, and I think it's it's far from uh, being over with. Yep. So that's the next thing I want, you know, like I'm looking at the weather forecast right now here for us, and it's what I think we have a cold front on Monday, and it gets down to 94, but the rest of the day it's you know, 90, 98, 99 for the next till Friday and 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. So it won't take long to suck out the moisture out of the ground as we move forward next week. Um, let's talk about this a little bit here and kind of get your reaction to this. So there's a, there's an article, a little news snippet here out of my pro farmer morning, um, morning alert that i get here and they're talking about brazil's uh contract washouts expected to be highest since 2016 and they're talking about how how it could possibly be some of the biggest uh cancellations of exports out of brazil so how do you think the market's going to react to that have they built that in already is that something they're going to pay close attention to when they start seeing these these export cancellations and stuff like that pop up um i guess what do you how do you think that's going to react to the market yeah so the market seems to have um kind of put brazil's corn crop on the back burner a little bit it's just that 
that time frame, you right. know, where they've, they've started some early harvest and in the areas that have been the driest, they've, they've yet to harvest. <clears throat> and I think that's still going to affect the market because, um, you know, I think the corn and bean market, uh, corn market for sure, has been more focused on weather here in the United States. And, and you know, that, that Brazil crop has been uh, just quietly forgotten about. And they've had like three freezes on that too, hard frost. There's, I think, another frost coming this week for some areas. So they've had really weird weather down there. And once that crop gets harvested, I, I do think it's it's definitely going to affect our markets. Um, one, from the standpoint of we'll get a better feel in a couple months for what that crop size is. You know, it started out in the, you know, I don't know, I think close to 120 million ton mark. I mean, which they're probably capable of with good weather. And now a lot of those private estimates are down like in the 85, 86 million ton mark. And so to your point, that story you know, if they can't export, we're going to get the business. There's there's nowhere else in the world until, you know, March, April, when South America has another crop, you know, during our winter and their summer. Mm-hmm. We're the only place to get some. You know, we're, we're the only game in town for beans, for corn. Uh, and this demand going forward is, is going to be, uh, you know, really strong, I think. It isn't right now, and that's part of the reason that I think the corn and the bean market have been a little bit uh, lackluster here. Exports haven't been very good, and, and that's typical this time of year. But it's also about the, you know, the the peak downtime, if you want to call it that. And as we go into August, September, October, exports usually start creeping higher. And so, if if Brazil doesn't have the bushels to export because of their drought and freeze situation, we're gonna pick up the extra business and it's not a small amount. So it's, it's maybe not something that immediately affects us, but it definitely will going forward because it means more export business for us on corn and, and their basis levels in Brazil have started to increase on beans, meaning, uh, you know, they're about out of exportable supplies of their crop they just harvested. So that means the business should start shifting to us. And so, you know, we're about to, either make or break this crop here with the drought, right? I mean, it's great, great conditions in the Eastern Corn Belt. Actually, you know, maybe a little too wet for our beans, but, you know, out to you guys in North of the Western Corn Belt, it's it's far from ideal. And, and it's so tight that, you know, just a three or four bushel decrease from trend line in corn. And, and, and you're talking about, you know, some, you know, billion bushel carryout. And that's kind of the magic number. And if we're going to get some extra business because of a short Brazil crop, it's really going to be something that affects our market for several more months. And, and it like beans seem like they're just kind of lackluster here. You know, they're in this range that we've been in for a while. We're, we have about 1.8 bushels of cushion in yield on beans nationally. And we're out of beans, literally zero beans based on the demand of what the USC has plugged in. So, you know, this heat's a big deal, and there's a lot of bean acres in the Dakotas. And so, you know, you set this high-pressure ridge up and keep it into mid-August, I mean, we could literally be out of beans with a two-bushel decrease from trend line. So it is razor-thin, and, you know, 
any extra demand is just going to exaggerate the tightness that that we have. And then with that drought I mentioned earlier, you know, you sometimes that you know some of these minor you know oats and barley and these minor feed grains they matter as well because Canada supplies a lot of those and and you know they've had a historic drought there that doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon and, and that that also tightens up corn so it's a really dynamic situation we've got going here and it it's going to be here all the way through winter and you know they they have here's the other thing you know pretty quickly they're going to be going to plant in in the southern hemisphere and it's not like brazil has ideal weather right now you know there's right. kind of still in this drought and it takes it you, you don't just fix that with one rain you know it takes a while to to get that straightened out so that could have implications for their planting season coming up here as well if they don't start uh, getting some normal rain so it's a it's a very dynamic situation and then you overlay this whole inflationary you know period that we're in in the world because of all the covid stimulus and low interest rates and 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 it it just exaggerates things it could really be a, an interesting rest of the summer and all the way through winter here based on these all these world problems and brazil's crop situation and uh gonna get very interesting yeah absolutely another thing that's getting very interesting is uh I've seen more articles here lately about African swine fever than I probably have had in you know in the last last year probably. Looks like um, <clears throat> another article out of the same snippet that I got here. Germany confirms its first case of African swine fever in farm pigs. Uh, two weeks ago, I think you know we had a there's a rumor uh, of that we had African swine fever in the United States. Obviously, that wasn't true, but um, it seems like the Chinese are starting to report a little more about that they've got African swine fever back and that I don't know they really ever had it under control. But um, I guess with that news, you still see, you know, you kind of see hog prices get a little pressure here late. But I guess so what, what's your thoughts there? Is that is that something that is something needs to be paid attention to or is it just because there are some of these isolated cases out there? Well, I think both. I mean, I think luckily so far it's been <clears throat> isolated, but that rumor there a few weeks back just shows you, you know, you had hogs went from a couple bucks higher to limit down in seconds, mm -hmm. you know, with that rumor. And so it is definitely something to be worried about. It'd be catastrophic if we had that here, just, you know, absolutely uh, catastrophic to our domestic hog markets and, and pork products. And so, you know, hopefully we keep that at bay, but um, it does seem like it's just something that's out there and it's has popped up in different areas sporadically. And, you know, a lot of vets will tell you, um, you know, behind closed doors that it's probably not if it's when we get it here and, and how bad. And so, you know, that's, it's kind of like the, monster uh in the corner type thing or the monster under the bed i mean it it it's definitely something that uh would be catastrophic that a lot of people worry about and luckily it hasn't hit here yet but uh that that is something that uh 
you know, I think is in the back of everyone's mind and, and wouldn't be a good situation. And, you know, I just, um, people a lot smarter than me on it, but, um, you know, a lot of vets will tell you that it is probably coming here. It's just, you know, is it next year or 10 years? Right. And, and I think China, you know, they're still fighting it. They, it looks like they have rebuilt their hog herd quite a bit <clears throat> just based on some of the numbers they put out and, you know, you, you can't always believe that, but you can kind of believe it in what they do, right? It's not like, what's that saying? Look at what I do, not what I yeah. say. Well, they back way down on their pork purchases from us. So it, it probably does mean for the time being that they've rebuilt that hog herd pretty dramatically. They say they have, but not, it's, it's not what they say. It's what they're doing. They, they've slowed way down on their pork purchases. So it's likely true for now, but that doesn't mean that won't they won't continue to fight that there either. Yep. Right on. Yeah, that's, that's a scary thing, man. You take a look at that. There's a that would that would wreak yeah, havoc. Really is. I mean it would really really wreak havoc on what's kind of you know the good thing they've got going there in the hog market for sure. <clears throat> All right, man. Well, it looks like uh we got another fun week ahead of us, man, and there's there's plenty of reasons to pay attention to what's going on, and especially right now when you start looking at you know some of these ethanol plants and, and feed yards and those kind of things, and as as much um, positive basis they're paying uh, to get some corn contracts and those kind of things hemmed up. This is a, a great time to not only you know shore up your plan, but you know reevaluate your plan. And especially right now with wheat harvest kind of wrapping up in uh, in in the in the south and kind of move through, we're just starting kind of up here in Nebraska, so they'll be moving moving into uh, North and South Dakota here before too long. So wheat wheat harvest is uh is rapidly coming to an end. So another good time to sit back and, and take a look at what you've got and, and how things are rolling. So Chip, if folks are working on that plan or need help with that plan, what, what's the best way to get a hold of you and the and the guys over there at Blue Reef Agri Marketing? Yeah, probably best way is just give us a call at the office, and that, that number is 309-550-7213, and I'd uh, love to chat with you. This volatility is is an opportunity, too. You know, yeah. we've seen corn, you know, move 50, 60 cents in a swing two or three days. Beans have had some 90 cent and dollar moves, uh, and, you know, it's easy to be handcuffed by that and not know what to do, but if you have a plan, you can maneuver and put yourself in a better position using that volatility. So it's very important to, to have a plan, uh, and execute on it. So never been more important in the markets. Yep. That's a, it's a very true statement, man. So I am, uh, Casey Seymour here and, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you are looking to come to the Moving Iron Summit, go to movingironllc.com. It's a great place to go network and see some great speakers and get some good information about what's going on in the coming months here as we head into the winter months of of the of 22. Also, check out uh, my website, movingironllc.com. That's where you can find all the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast as well as any blogs I have posted there. Um, you can find all the Moving Iron Summit information there as far as registration for the meeting 
hotel information, agendas, speakers, all those good things. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I can get you more information about that. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour Chip Nellinger. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving